window and Scott came through the window hit me in the head. I'm bleeding profusely. A controlled but desperate cry for help from Joyce Maven Neesmith to her daughter. South Allen Drive in North Charleston. My mom just said someone shot her in the head. Please! The two had been talking on the phone as gunfire interrupted a quiet afternoon. She told me a doctor told her an inch lower and that bullet would have gone through her head instead of grazing her scalp. Did at any point you think that this was intentional and that you were the target of the gunfire? No, uh, it's quite evident from even the, the trajectory of the where the bullet came in that this probably was, it was like a ricochet type thing. I don't, it was not an attack on us as, or me. Ms. Joyce, it would be reasonable to, to understand and to think that you would not want to speak about what happened to you just a few days ago, but you told me that you want to talk. Yeah, I, I want to talk to the point that I want, you know, our people, uh, I consider myself just an ordinary everyday citizen who, you know, decided that I wanted to spend my time in trying and in inspiring the lives of children. You know, you kind of in this like fog, you know, a couple nights couldn't have sleep because my head was hurting, you know, the pain. Yeah, and the doctors told me I was very lucky. I was laughing at him. I said, yeah, people told me I have a hard head. I said, this one time, this hard head really helped me out. With a bandage still wrapped around her head, she talked about the gunfire that shattered the glass as she worked in building our walls, an enrichment and education center she built in North Charleston eight years ago. And ironically, I moved there in that neighborhood when I first moved to Charleston 45 years ago as a mom who had just gotten divorced and lived up north and I came down here. My father and his family grew up in South Carolina, so I always had, you know, little visits back and forth to Spartanburg to visit my family up there. So I fell in love with the city a long time ago. And I ended up here in Charleston as a single mom with two children. And I moved in that very neighborhood, uh, Dorchester Terrace, but was on the other side of I-26. And at that time, I was told that, you know, you need to move out of this community because your kids are not going to get a good education in this neighborhood. So I, you know, I had this passion to, you know, come back there and make an impact and try to work with some families and some of the mothers who were single, had children, which experienced some of the things that I experienced as a single mom. So it goes deep with me. It's not just about, you know, and I don't want to give up this because I know what families a lot of times just need a little help. You wanted to be in this community. This is a place that you decided to put this center because it was needed there. Yes, never had any problems. When I first tried to do it, I thought kids wouldn't come. Beyond Our Walls has been in business for since 2004, but we've opened that facility up in 2014. So this is our eighth year of being there in the Dorchester Terrace areas. We purposely said that we wanted to stay in that area. District 4, which is the area that that community is in, was one of the highest high poverty Title I communities in the area. I look at the people who are living in communities and all of us are at risk because for us to think that, oh, it only happens over there, that is not being realistic because we have cities where people go into the grocery store and end up having uh, having a situation where they're being terrorized by people who are you know pulling out weapons young children pulling out weapons so the question becomes is as a community 
do we, you know, what kind of community do we want to continue to live in? I, I think all of us who live in Charleston, we love this place. And we want it to be a community where everybody has, you know, people have an opportunity to live a good, full life. We had, you know, a regular classroom. That's what we had uh, that time. So now we're averaging probably between six, 16 kids coming every day to do homework. Uh, we give them a snack. And then we do a, a little meal time too, and we've been fortunate to get a couple of uh, caterers and also chefs in the area to donate food to us a couple times a week. So that helped a lot with the food. And uh, you know, it's just been a wonderful time of being able to get people involved and helping the children and being able to service the families and help them make sure their children have educational intervention every day you're trying to process so many things at one time you're trying yeah. to you are processing how you feel physically you're processing how you feel emotionally and you're dealing with the trauma of all of it and and, and even talking about it you know can be traumatic as well are you concerned that the joy you've experienced at the center for so many years will be lost because of this shooting uh. I really, I really hope not. Uh, I'm hoping that we can continue. In fact, you know, one of the things I wanted to do this year was to expand to really getting our program to be a lot more um, structured toward giving uh, children more hope. And I think it starts a lot with uh, the education and you know, having education as a highlight in our center, I think has been a blessing for a lot of the families. Um, you know, we were able to bring in technology and all kinds of stuff at an early age for a lot of them. And I think, you know, that was a plus. And I was now at a point where I wanted to really start zeroing in, trying to do it a lot more and to get in them a lot more uh, foundation in their education at an early age. So that's why we specialize basically in the younger children between CD, as long as they're in school, uh, we take them in, we take the family and work with the family as a unit to see what we could do to help make an impact. Bullets struck three people on February 26th in the Dorchester Terrace neighborhood. Two people survived. A 15-year-old did not. When I think about 15-year-old, we ended up in the army initially, mm -hmm. but they had to take him out because he was so serious. And to look at him and see him as a grandmother and as a mother myself, to see that young man, you know, suffering from a gunshot wound in his stomach, it just, just, it really went deep with me. And my vision has always been to try to stop that, stop, give kids hope, and help them get on a good road of success. Well, Miss Joyce Neesmith, thank you so much for speaking with me. I know that this is certainly changed your perspective on a lot of things but most importantly it sounds as if you are more committed than ever to help children in this community and and children around the world and families around the world as well so thank you for speaking with me thank you very much for sharing your story and for showing your strength we wish you the very best and we hope that you will continue to operate in this community where you're needed i appreciate it carolyn and i'm hoping you will come back and kind of see what we're doing after we get back things back rolling. We have a couple of events coming out. April 1 is our planting our first uh, children's garden right there on the side of the building. 
and we got Fresh Future Farm. They're going to be partnering with us on that and Wild Ideas. And then on the ninth is our eighth celebration, our eighth celebration of our eighth year in the business. We're all here for them. That's it for this episode of Let's Talk. Let's Talk is produced by Eric Johnson. I'm the host, Carolyn Murray. We welcome your comments and advice on our podcast, so please write a review and share the link with others. Thanks again for listening to Let's Talk. Goodbye until the next time.